It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and a man who is steadfastly still behind Ange Postacoglu. <laughs> it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. That That is me. And me too, me, me too, mate. We can discuss that in some detail. Uh, I think it is very telling, though, that we've had 13 emails and more than 10 Discord questions since the match ended on Saturday. And I do think people just want us to try and sort of bring a bit of calm and make sense of it. So let's give it a crack, shall we? Uh, Bardi, what did you make of the start <laughs> 11? So you come straight to me for a bit of calm and common sense. Yeah, I'm tired, yeah. Wendy. Man, man of the people. <laughs> I'm tired, Wendy. I'm fed up. No, I'm, um, the starting eleven. I was reasonably happy with. I've I've had a I've had thoughts which I've not aired for all because of fear. But I've had doubts about a few of our players and their form recently. So I personally wouldn't have started with one individual. I would have swapped him out. But you know, the starting eleven was the starting eleven that we all expected, and that we like. Yeah, we Andrew's never going to go through at the back, so it was okay. Who? I have some issues with James Madison at the moment. I think he's absolutely living on a hype train. I think he has been injured, but I think since he's come Mm. back, apart from the odd moment, the odd flash, I think he's hindered us more than he's actually offered us. So I I perhaps would have maybe started him on the bench and used somebody else instead. Really interesting. Yeah, I I need some time to take that in and process it, but I I think we definitely will return to that. Um, I thought the starting 11 was exactly as expected. I hated it (laughs) and uh, I knew what it meant for the match. And um, so I I did this thread on, on X on Friday and I said... Uh, I don't think there are many options, but everyone seems to be talking about Van de Ven playing on the left because Dragushin was talked up by Ange in the in the pre-match press conference and it, people kind of jump into conclusions that maybe he would play. And I said, well, look, I don't think Van de Ven can play inverted fullback. I just don't see him receiving back to goal. He's too clumsy and awkward. Uh, he needs to be facing play and he's very good when he does face play and he can maraud forward somewhat. Romero, however, I do think 
can play inverted right back. I do think he can play back to play. I think he is probably the most similar to Poro in the squad in profile. Um, and so if Dragushin was going to come in, then I thought it would be with Romero moving to, to right back. Uh, but that it was unlikely and that we would probably see Emerson Royale and Ben Davis, and we did. And, uh, you know, they are what they are, and and knows exactly what they are, and they are traditional fullbacks. I think Davis should only be seen as a left centre-back in this Spurs squad now, and I don't think Emerson Royale can play the inverted role for for various reasons, but um, I guess he would argue uh, that he had little other option. I think we could talk about that a little though um nathan did you make anything of the starting 11 exactly as expected any concerns when it came out yeah i i, I feel similarly about uh romero being a better fullback option than van der ven um but i expected royale and davies and <laughs> and the other thing is i'm still very unconvinced by dragusin's on ball ability so i can't go so far as to like let's say that's what we should have done right mm-hmm. not that the center backs ever had um were under too much pressure but then i guess that also means there was an increased emphasis for them to to do things with the ball right um it's kind of tough it's kind of tough uh with the squad that we have when you're missing your two first choice fullbacks right now right i don't know it really is it really is and uh gary o'neill has a tendency to adapt to his opponents and what he did for this game was just play very tight two lines two banks five three two but the distances between defense and midfield were tiny and so there was no room for madison to operate in between the lines so often he was coming deep in front of the wolves midfield to receive and we just had no space to work in so we just passed side to side to side and back again and back again and back again and we never really got in behind wolves never really threatened uh, and and they just picked us off on the counter and it was very very frustrating to watch and we had no answer for it um Bardi what did you make of the subs that that Ange utilized I mean bringing on Timo Werner was never going to be the answer but I just I think Spurs need to figure out a way of of playing against a team that constantly falls on the floor and delays the game and slows the game up there has to be is it is it on the referee to stop that, or is it Spurs need to be smarter? Because we every time there was a bit of pressure, we just gave Wolves it out, and either it was Lamina or Dawson or somebody else rolling around on the ground, and it just it, it, it seems with Spurs, if we pick up a head of steam, we're fine. But if we if we can't do that, then we really get we really get stuck. So it's almost like we start a second half, so we scored early in the second half against these lot. Did we did it? We've done it a few times this season, and. Um, it's like we could, from a standing start, we could just go. But if the game is in process and it gets kind of bogged down, we're just unable to pick it up, pick up the tempo again. And I'm, I'm not sure why that is. I think that's a really, really good point. We do come out strong for the start of the second half. And you, you wonder if that is um, tweaks being made or specific instructions being given and which are then fulfilled in some way. And we did see, you know, Kulusevski took on and beat his man and, and got a shot in. And yeah. it was the first time I think that that had happened in the box, Nathan. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were going to talk about wingers for a moment. Uh, bang the old drum again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this game... Uh, in some ways was quite similar to the Brentford game, the recent Brentford game, but also the Brentford game that was the first game of the season as well. In that, both teams played a back five, but played it deep and narrow. Um, played a 5-3-2. I think both were 5-3-2. Um, 
and in 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 doing so just clogged up our attacking midfield area um i tweeted as i often do that we're in need of a, a 1v1 specialist in fact this time i said actually we need two and the reason we need two is because that means that we always have one available to play right um and I got some pushback. Um, people said that, um, and, and Bardi's also actually echoed the sentiment that that there's not enough happening in creative midfield. But I just think that there's there's no way of operating in that area when teams are defending in this way, where they are prioritizing that area with, I mean, arguably ten players, <laughs> right? <laughs> arguably, all the back five are on the edge of their own box. The midfield three is a couple of yards ahead of them. The attacking two are preventing the pass into them. It's like you, you Madison is going to be receiving in that situation in like a a 1v4 situation here is the full list of players who i favor to be productive from a 1v4 situation number one peak leo messi this concludes my (laughs) list of players right um so that's tough the 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 and and similarly people complain that we weren't moving the ball fast enough and that's definitely true but again we weren't moving the ball fast enough because um everything was so narrow and congested in this one tiny area of the pitch um so, yes, my feeling is, and you look at Kulisevsky's goal, a 1v1 specialist, you look at Sun's performance against Trippier, which is an outlier because of how dead on his feet Trippier was in that game. Yes, a 1v1 specialist will directly beat their man, get to the byline, cut the ball back, chip the ball to the back post, and get actual chances. But more importantly, a 1v1 specialist will give the opposition a reason to leave their own fucking box sometimes, right? <laughs> Because, my goodness, yeah, like I said, so much, so much of, like, 20 players in a in a 20-yard box, you know? Um, and so when we did pass the ball, first of all, we, we start our wingers quite narrow um, in the final third. And this is a tactical too decision. Narrow, too narrow. Too narrow, I, I, I think, could be argued. The reason that we start our wingers narrow is because we want them to get in the box when we are putting the ball in the box. We want them to be an additional target, right? All part of this overall highly attacking mentality and i understand the reason for that but i also feel it exacerbates our main issue which is our inability to stretch the opposition when we are playing in our own half when we're playing out from the back and the goalkeeper's got the ball then our wingers are on the touchline to stretch the opposition but suddenly that becomes not the priority in the final third so i i i'm not i'm not saying i know better than Ange, but i am saying i've got some questions over uh just how narrow our wingers start in the final third um when we do play over to the to our wide player and they ha- in order to receive the ball end up having to chase it wider and we draw walls out to one flank the, first of all the opposite side winger is in the box essentially already so they're still only being stretched over half the pitch and then what will happen is we'll have most of the time uh, the inverted fullback will make a run in behind with the back five much much easier to track that run again we saw this not just with Wolves but we saw this with Brentford both times again from that situation we're not doing a good job of um, um, taking advantage of the fact that the opposition has spread out into into a wide area right we're not playing it back in because that's that's the time when we should be finding Madison out wide underlapping fullback suddenly Wolves are stretched across the pitch suddenly Wolves um, have lost a midfielder tiny bit of space in the middle now it goes to Madison now Madison maybe picks out the pass to the far post or something like that we're, we're not doing that there's a question uh, in the running order from K without bringing up personnel what are the top three fixable issues for me that would be number one uh, would be running a bunch of creative drills that start on the touchline because we we're not gonna 
like case is, we're not going to just suddenly have a player who can beat their man over there right now. So we need to um, work out what we do when the fullback's run gets picked up. What happens next? Where's the back pass? And where does that back pass go straight away after that immediately? Because we've got to take advantage of that, that, that moment there. I still feel very good about where we are. And I know that isn't the tone of the episode, but like I think that we're tremendous in our build-up game, even though we've had some trouble recently with teams pressing us, especially as we've had players out. Overall, I think that we've come out on top of that situation, right? We we beat Brighton. We outplayed Brighton. City were a, were a, were a tougher ordeal. Brentford started their game in a low block, came out to press, and we got them. Um, the moment they came out to press, we scored three goals in, in five to ten minutes, right? 70% possession, dominating territory. We've got so much of what we need to be a brilliant team. That's what makes it so frustrating that we don't have that final step. And I personally believe that we are one significant transfer away from near consistently having that ability to unlock a low block. I feel really good about that. But um, while we don't have that, it, it hurts. It stings, right? Uh, let's let's stay at the top level briefly because I, I do want to dig into some of the sure. some of the real detail here. Mm. But but Bardi, um, Nathan said that he backs Ange. We had five or six questions about doubts over Ange. So uh, let me just go with this one from ABC team on Twitter, who says, "I hope the pod on Monday is going to touch on the fact that not unreasonably, some fans are not wholly invested in Ange Postecoglou and think he should be doing slightly better." I I think so. I think he should be doing slightly better. I think we've had a run of games recently where we've been pretty poor. I mean, even if you start from the Burnley game, we seem to struggle right now against teams that sit deep and we seem to struggle against teams that press us. We give up a lot of opportunities and that hurts us. We should have beaten Man United away, but we give up we give up opportunities. And uh Brighton at home we were pretty lucky. We we had some we it could have gone another way on an, on a on a different day. So I think there's there's general there's there's genuine concerns there. There's also the the kind of pursuing the inverted fullback when Emerson isn't an inverted fullback in the same way that we went after previous managers for for not changing when the personnel's not there. We all knew that Emerson playing in the middle. You you're going to it's not Emerson's fault. Emerson is a defensive fullback and you're asking him to step into the middle and when it clearly wasn't working something should have been changed earlier. Um so yeah, there are genuine questions to be asked. He's not immune to questions, and I think he needs. We need to ask him why he did that, why and why he continued to do that. I also think um, Sun wasn't working out wide. He had a couple of good games, like Nathan said, against Newcastle, but I still don't see him as a winger. I still, mm-hmm. prefer, I know Richarlison hit a nice run of form, but in the last few games, the failings of Richarlison, his link-up play, and everything else have really hurt us. And I thought he had a poor game um, to, against Brighton, and he had a poor game here. So I, I think there needs to be something done there about both of them playing at the same time. Mm. Uh, so Varun5092 said, how do you rate Ange as a problem solver? Does he change tactics in game or is it always on the players to play better when there's a tactical problem? Um, I mean, we've got other questions as well. Sonority, RR10, Bubble Wrap, all asked sort of similar-ish questions around Ange and uh, how he's doing so far. And I think this idea of problem solving is my biggest issue so far. And I get that it's challenging with the personnel available to him at the moment. I think my problem is, as much as Ange is a highly progressive, exciting, attacking front foot coach with modern approaches to football, both offensively and defensively, I do think he's quite conservative with his team selections and his subs. I think he his subs are often basically like for like. 
And I think his team selections are sometimes like for like to the detriment of himself. And, you know, I, I was disappointed when I saw the team selection. I would have liked to have seen a different option play right back and maybe even left back as well. Um, and people will be like, okay, well, what? What do you do then? Mm. My answer to that is I look at the profile of the inverted right back role that that is how Postacoglu plays. The the inverted right back role, when we have the ball, essentially is a central midfielder who has to make runs forward and play creative passes. So I look at the central midfielders available to him and I think could, who, who of those central midfielders could also hold an offside line, who I could trust in a defensive race to get back and, and do some defensive things. And I think why not like play Saar there, play Skip there, maybe even play Bentancur there, even if it's changing it up at half time. Emerson Morel was so poor in the first half, in my view, that he shouldn't have come out. And again, I agree with Bardi, it's not on him. This is not his position. It's a completely new position. But... You know, the reason Nathan didn't think that Porro would be able to adjust to hmm. the right-back role under Postacoglu is because it's fundamentally different to the normal traditional right-back role. And it's like you're translating a player into a new position, a, a, a real different variant of, a, of the same position. Um, so sure, I think he should have gone balls out at halftime and brought on, say, Bentancur and, and either play Bentancur at right-back or Saar at right-back. And then you suddenly get an injection of creativity and... You know, if I lead on to this question from Ivan Victor, he says, it felt to me like the huge things missing from the Wolves game were Porro and Udogi in both directions. Do you agree? And while Alan sticking to a system is admirable in terms of sticking to a system, do you think that when the replacements are Emerson and Davis, that he should adjust? And similarly, Adamalis says, inverted fullbacks in a general sense, do you feel it's a steeper learning curve for a midfielder or a traditional fullback? I mean, I think I kind of just answered that one. Mm. But in, uh, when I look at the drop-off from Porro to Emerson Royale and Udogi to Davis, there are bits they can do. There are some bits. So Emerson, really aggressive, wins loads of duels, very good one-on-one -on -one defender. So he's fine at the defensive side. He can tuck in narrow. He, he understands when to do that. He's fine at the defensive side. He cannot spring forward into the inverted role. He barely received the ball centrally because he wasn't positioning himself effectively. He was really sloppy in possession a few times and, and got caught in the ball. It's just not his game. It's not what he does. He's always had the game in front of him. So the drop-off there with Porro, who takes it under pressure and turns and creates and drives forward, and then he's brilliant on set pieces as well. It's just a huge, huge drop-off. And then Udogi to Davis. I mean, Davis is capable of making runs into the box. He showed that in the last minute. He can find himself in the number nine position, but he can't do it consistently throughout the game. He just doesn't have the athleticism that Udogi has. Udogi is a, a star of a player, so to, to to drop down to Davis is such a massive drop off, and I felt like we could have looked for other solutions in the fullback areas. And then and then I think when you've got those players progressing the ball in a quicker, more creative way, then the attacking players are receiving the ball in better conditions mm -hmm. to do stuff with it. So even when you're hampered and you don't have the one on one wing specialist, you're at least giving your the players you have got who are good players, better opportunities to beat their guys um, and, and try and do something before a defence is set. And, and that's where I felt we really, really struggled in this game. Yeah, I think it was quite clear from the start that Emerson in this role wasn't going to work. And it, it was just like, oh, OK, well, we'll keep Emerson for his defensive abilities. But he can't catch Pedro Neto anyway. So mm -hmm. I think I put in the Discord, I think people thought I was taking the mick. Why don't we just play Heuberger right back? Because I think he would have done all right. I think he would have stepped into midfield and done something. And if, he wouldn't have been able to catch Neto anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But yeah, I do think I do think this stubbornness is, a, is an issue. And... I also think our 
yeah, just our, our options. And that's not Postacoglu's fault that we don't have many different options. But um, I also think that we're really suffering right now because Basuma's not the guy that started this season. He's really dropped off. There was a lot of people early on making big claims that he was better than Dembele. And he's clearly, he's not. He had a, he had a good month, but he's not he's not giving us anything. He's not adding anything to us at the moment. And in fact, he's, he's causing us problems, if anything. I, I thought Basuma was... Okay, um, but clearly he he slipped up badly for the goal. And to be honest, I don't even think losing the ball on the edge of the box was the big one. I personally, I think the tracking ball watching yeah. when he didn't track Shell Gomez was the big one. All of our players tracking back were just so focused on the ball, hmm. like Labradors. Basically, they didn't think to look around and look at who was keeping up with Neto. And so suddenly, when three of them are done by Neto picking a pass dissecting the three of them there's a spare man and, and it's tucked away Wendy are you saying the threat of a quality on ball dribbler draws players towards him and opens up space elsewhere in the pitch that's interesting um, I am saying that um, <laughs> I specifically Pedro Neto as well um, I love Pedro Neto I, I have talked before about like um, potentially retraining Skip as a as a fullback and things like that I think um, it's it's like it's a it's tough and also um, uh, De Zerbe uses gross Sometimes he's used Caicedo a he couple does. of times. He's inverted fullback, yeah. so that's not untreaded water. And Hinchelwood as well has played fullback. So um, I know that I knew that a couple of times. Rio Hatate had played fullback at Celtic under Postecoglou. Um, Hatate, who normally plays central midfield, um, number eight specifically, number right? eight. And so I was curious about what Hatate would do for us as a squad option if he could come in, be a player who could play midfield, could play fullback could play the other midfield role, you know, things like that. Maybe even play number six, that would be interesting. Mm. And I went and I watched him play fullback and he got skinned to death by his man again <laughs> and again and again. And man, it's uh, it's tough, you know, it's tough to, to play that, to play the offside line, the, the defensive game of a fullback. I think that it's not something you can just put a player in for a match. I think it's got to be like, right, we're going to retrain Skip, whatever. We're going to retrain this player to play fullback. We're going to work on this for several weeks before they see a minute of it on the pitch. We're going to try it out in the cup game. You know, I think to go, oh, we've lost Paro. We've got to throw, we've got to throw Bentacore out at right back. I think that that is a big ask defensively because in possession, it's a better option than Mr. Ryan. No doubt, no doubt about that. Instant upgrade for sure. But I think that um, defensively, it's a, it's a big risk. But is is it not? With 45 minutes to go, you've, you've got 65% of the ball. Is this not the time to give it a whirl? Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's what I'm talking about with the sort of mm. slightly conservative like-for-like subs. And he ended up with Johnson as a right wing back, I think. And, and so that was, yeah. you know, somebody who did move to a back three. And, exactly, exactly. But I do, in, in defence of Postacoglu, I, I think this is the first time in his life where he's, he's come up He's he's got a problem with his with his players. So he can't play how he wants to play, and he's come up against the team that's eleventh in the league, who've got one of the most kind of up and coming young managers, who's got a team with like Pedro Neto, you know, Lamina, Gomez, Huang. These are players who are of exceptional quality, and he can't. He can't just get by, you know. Maybe perhaps at other clubs he was able just to kind of get over the line and mix things up a little bit. But in the without signing so gammon or without signing prem face, this is the Premier League where all of a sudden you're playing up against really good players every week and you can't you can't have an off day. And I think he had a really bad one today on on Saturday. 
I think we need some cheering up. Uh, Bardi, do you have a question for us? We're playing Crystal Palace next, so I'm going to test your memory. I'm going to ask you to remember three classic Premier League goals you scored against Palace. The three goals are Delhi's wonder goal in 2016, Sonny's first ever Premier League goal, and Sonny's scoring our second at Selhurst Park earlier this year, primarily because it reminds me of happier Angeball days. I want you to tell me not only who got the assist, but who assisted the assister. The more detail, the more body bonus points you get. 's debut goal was assisted by Ericsson. Ericsson and who who fed the ball into Ericsson? Who did a nice little bit of skill? Oh my goodness. Um, um in a tight space. Jan Vertonghen? No, no. Oh, it was a tight space. Little space. Tight little space, left-footed ball into Ericsson. Then Bele, no? Not Ben Davies. No, it was it was our friend and theme tune dude, Eric Lamella. Nice little piece yeah, of okay. work. Nice little Oh, I guess I remember that now. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. Delhi's wonder goal. Talk me through it. I remember him lifting it over. Was it Yedinak? But how did uh, the ball get to him? Um, yeah, Nasser Chadley. No. <laughs> <sighs> who assisted him at least? I'm who, not going to remember that. It was um, okay. It was, well, was that Ericsson again as well? It was Ericsson, okay. but there was a big crossfield ball before the goal, before the assist. Who did that? Right to left, out of Errol. Right to left. No, jeez, you guys. It was it was Harry Kane swept it left. Oh. Ericsson headed it down, oh, and then Denny yeah. did the rest. I, I I can picture it now. I remember it now. And and finally, Sonny's goal, our second at Selhurst Park earlier this year, proper Ange ball at its peak when we all thought we could we when we all thought we were going to win the league. Talk me through it. Saar hits the cross ball. It comes Very over nice. not directly to Madison. Madison plays the assist. It was Saar diagonal. Brennan Johnson, little header into That's Madison. It. Madison yes. poked through the legs. Johnson square. Sonny tapped in. Oh, Johnson's got the assist. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Amazing how things just blank out. I thought I thought for sure you guys would get the Delhi goal, like step by step. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. Did you know that one of the many benefits that come with taking AG1 is it combats visible signs of aging and can alleviate stress? I didn't know that. Well, it's true. Among loads of other benefits, AG1 supports visible signs of aging and can support you with stress relief. And this, my friend, is pretty useful, especially after you spent two hours of your Saturday watching Spurs pass it across their back line, forward line or into a non-existent midfield. However, Spurs being bad again is out of my control. So I'll focus on what I can take care of, and that's my health. As Spurs reclaim mediocrity, I'll reclaim my health, my immune system, and my gut. My gut may be saying, hold up, Ange Ball is dead. 
but it's also saying AG1 is good. So I'll keep doing what it likes. Drink AG1, get 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients in your system. And try and forget about Tottenham's lack of system, mate. If there's one product we had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. Nathan, 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 we've been talking about set pieces recently. We've been talking about protecting the goalkeeper. We've been talking about having an extra man in there. So if the opposition put someone in there and then add a second, we've got two to chuck them out of the way. And then what happened was we ended up with nine men in the six-yard box. Mm. Wolves didn't bother having anyone on the goalkeeper and they had a man left unattended six yards out. Mm. Turns out the number of uh, players you have to defend a set of pieces is, is finite. <laughs> you, have to, um, you have to be mindful of, uh, of role allocation. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, uh, picture in your head the ball getting chipped over Mila Yedonek's head as Delhi scores a screamer. Um, then we have, um, There's a lack of adaptability, though, isn't there, in this? Yeah, yeah. We uh we have a couple of questions about defence generally that I'd like to get into. Uh, Errol says, "How concerned should we be about our defence as a whole?" And Tibet two says, "What's more concerning or fixable? The amount of goals we're conceding, even though the goals squad is up in the Premier League, or not creating enough quality chances?" Um, I want to um defy def- divide defending up into um uh three or maybe sort of four categories right so i want to talk about um a thing people call rest defense rest defense is a terrible name for it it's translated from the german it sounds like your defenders are just standing around waiting for a bus right it means it means um it means how many players you keep them behind the ball in case you lose it when you've when you've got possession right and and what's the structure and shape of them and, and what's your plan of action for if you lose the ball um uh under range we have a very very aggressive and attacking mentality towards possession we put a lot of players in the opposition box we put a lot of players ahead of the ball one thing that we do to try to compensate for that is use inverted fullbacks so they can help protect the middle but then also we will use those inverted fullbacks to try to run in behind <laughs> at the same time right um we're always we're always going to have some susceptibility to the weaknesses in our structural rest defense and i'm okay with that we're always going to concede a chance like that to wolves every now and then that's just that's just um a feature of our intended style of play second thing i want to talk about is uh set piece defending uh we're really bad at defending corners and set pieces the 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 Bad underlying numbers that we have can be very significantly blamed <laughs> on set pieces. We were lucky that we weren't conceding as much from set pieces back before, um, and now we are. And there's the whole pushing the goalkeeper thing, and that's very relevant to the discussion, but the data was bad and pointing to bad things coming for a long time. That's a significant problem. And the other thing I want to talk about is um, 
is contextualized defending. And this is how I want to address um, T. Bead's question. Uh, again, we're, we're always going to be quite risky with how we behave in possession. But I think the reason we, one of the aspects of the reason we can see the second goal to Wolves is because we're pushing so hard to score. And again, we're always going to have lots of players ahead of the ball. But I think that the decision making of our players is significantly impacted by we need to get a goal soon. Yeah, that that urgency and that desperation and that need for risk taking. And then sort of similarly to that is like when teams are pressing as high and we're just trying to turn everything into a counterattack and we lose control of games, right? The context of of the game as a whole sort of significantly... Um, uh, <laughs> significantly exaggerating our structural weaknesses, right? So I, long-term, looking towards the future, I'm not worried about the fact that we don't keep a lot of players behind the ball. I'm only worried now because we aren't scoring, <laughs> right, at the rate that I'd like us to, at the, at the rate that the system is designed to, because we're not offering a significant threat towards the opposition. That's why I think that we're as vulnerable as we are on the counter. I don't think that that is something that is just inherent to the way that we play to such a scale as we will be conceding at the rate that we're currently conceding. However, with set pieces, it's the other way around. We're bad at defending set pieces. Our setup at set pieces is very questionable and our personnel for set pieces is uh, also a significant problem. I think, yeah, I also think there's something to do with the way we attack. It At the moment, it's so limp that the other team is like, okay, we'll just wait now. We'll just wait here yep. and we can counter. And it's almost 100%. like the longer an attack goes on, the more fearful that the, the, the ball real the counter attack becomes and that's what yep. it felt like against Wolves that Wolves are like okay and they were so relaxed and so settled out of possession that they were just waiting and then when it came bang they hit us and they could have done us again probably and there's, there's definitely there's no fear factor anymore with how we attack it's yeah. become a bit predictable and a bit obvious and it's not like you know Man City play at home against Chelsea and they, they have 31 shots on goal but they still draw like we, we barely did that we went 45 minutes without shots and I think we hit the target four or five times against Wolves, but maybe apart from the two Kuliseski shots, I don't remember anything else that was even barely threatening. And I just think there's just no bite to us anymore. And teams now just wait for us to kind of run out of ideas, nick the ball and then go and counter. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, we came up against a team who was one of the fastest forwards in the league. 15 shots Opta gave us, four for Kuliseski, including the goal, three for Richarlison, but those are going to be sort of awkward wayward headers from balls that are slightly behind him and three for Ben Davies is that is that what we're looking for Ben had a good shot in the first half and then the, obviously the header at the end he's not Harry Kane he's not going to spin his body that is and our put that in the top corner highest quality chance of the game uh, is the last shot of the game the the yeah. ball was the ball was slightly behind Ben Davies to be fair to him I would I would argue we had uh, yeah it was it was mm. I think you could tell from the reaction of the players though that, that is a really presentable chance yeah. I would like to um, yeah. just take this moment before I forget a little nod to I think this chap was Dutch next to me with his um I think I can I guess it was his girlfriend the way they were talking to each other so she was English he was Dutch and um, watched the, to watch the match and they saw Wolves score and then at halftime they went away and they came back late and then they missed the Tottenham goal and then they saw the Wolves goal and they had a proper little oh. argument between them. <laughs> we missed, oh, we always no. seen is the Wolves goal. We didn't even see the Tottenham goal. But that's, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. So I apologise to them on behalf of Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, I think we had 35 crosses in this game. And, um, you know, mm. I've made lots of critique about the tactical setup and the personnel and things like that. Things like that. It's completely feasible that slightly better execution gives us a different game. I think it was like pretty even unexpected goals, one and a half to one and a half roughly each way. Um, games like that have gone our way a couple of times this season. This time, not so much, you know. Um Sort of the way that we're set up a lot depends on the quality of Kulisewski's delivery, and 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 he's a good crosser, but crossing into a box that's got like nine players in it at the time that you and you're under pressure and and it's completely readable, it's 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 pretty tough. And cutting back onto his left foot to swing in a different way that hasn't yeah. helped him as well. It just allows him to get set. Yeah, um, he's he's kind of frustrating me at the moment. Obviously, he did score a really good goal, but uh, so we had this question from. Uh, Discord Dan, who asked, we, he said, we seem to have a habit of getting the ball into threatening areas, but then failing to get a shot away. Do you agree this is a problem? And if so, is this a tactical issue or a personal issue? And I think back to Kulosevsky when he first joined. And the thing that I would say about him was you knew exactly what he was going to do, but you couldn't stop him. And that was he would cut in onto his left foot and he would whip a shot to the far post. And you just rarely see that from him anymore. He doesn't seem to want to, to take those early shots on. And I think it's the same for Son, Buddy, you've already mentioned Son. I thought he had a terrible game. I thought he had one of his worst games in in months. Um, and I go as far to say that I don't think he should have started. And I think he only started because he's Son Kyung Min. And I think he's our captain. He's a talisman. Mm. He got an assist at the end of the last match, but he didn't do. He didn't play very well before that. And I think that assist gets him this start. I would have rather have seen Werner. And I'm not just saying that in retrospect. I, just, I thought that before the start of the game as well. And I think we've rushed Son back, to be honest. I think he is physically and mentally shattered and probably needed to come off the bench. Yeah. Um, on the shooting as well, I think Madison needs to be whacking a few more. He's He's got really good technique. We saw him score a long distance against Burnley. He had one shot, I think, in the second half. I'd like to see Madison yeah. start pinging a few. We are getting, especially when the defence is so deep, just, just, just have a go without sounding my age. Just smack it. Someone asked me this question on Twitter as well about, about taking more shots from outside the box. Uh, we've got this question. I'm personally not really seeing those chances, I don't think. Um, I don't think because again like in the wall situation you've got so many players in front of you in the ball in a narrow area I'm not seeing the space to, to get the shot off um, maybe I should rewatch. but I tell you what if you want to send me screenshots of moments you think we should be shooting from I'd appreciate that because I'm kind of curious um, also on the on the forwards for a moment um, Richardson had a poor game not his first in, 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 a, in a recent while the hold up game is seemingly deteriorating when I when I said that that's an area where we, we should be focusing um, but I wouldn't have subbed him off because then we've got no one no in the way. box to be a target for a cross, right? Uh, we subbed him off and initially put Werner up top. Yep. And then later, only later, switched Werner and Son. I just, like, honestly, on, 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 you know, starting Son because he's captain thing. Um, and this is obviously easier to say after the fact, but maybe would have been one to rest Richarlison at the start, start with Son up top, Werner out wide, and then bring Richarlison on yeah. for the final 20 minutes when he's fresher and we can cross the ball into him. Uh, lacking Poro um, is unhelpful for that plan, obviously. Um, but yeah. Yeah, really, really, really unhelpful. And I do think as much as, you know, Madison is a fine set-piece taker, the drop-off from Poro set-pieces was an issue as well. Mm. Poro is on the money most of the time. 
Um, and I was on the Wicked Spursy pod yesterday, and Steve made a really good point that not only is it that you have the drop off from Madison St. Poro to Madison, but you then don't have Madison picking up the pieces from the set pieces yeah, as well. Nice. And and that is a really, really important point, I think. You know, sometimes it goes back out wide and Madison creates a, a cross or a, a chance to cross from that loose ball. Uh, and we certainly missed that, I felt. Um, all, Steve also made another point, which I hadn't clocked, which was um, we messed up the, the Dane Scarlet loan this year. And um, because he'd already played for Spurs, he couldn't go back out on loan again, I believe. So mm. we sent out Alejo Valise on loan. And I feel like he would have been a much more helpful option off the bench in this game than Scarlet. I'm not saying that if we'd had Valise, we'd have broken down Wolves, but maybe we would have done. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, I guess the combination of those two things is um, because we don't have Valise in the squad, you can't sub Richarlison off and we're chasing a goal, basically. You have to, because he's our, the closest thing we have to a beanpole in the squad now. Um, yeah. Or like we've got to put Dragusin up top or something like that, you know? Yeah, I guess actually that that no, my take now is we should have <laughs> we should have subbed Dragusin to play on up top, actually. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> He'd have just given away a free kick every time then, let's be honest. He's so violent. <laughs> um final question, this is from Keith Stahl, who says Here's a real old man reactionary rant. Here we go. Spurs are playing one game a week at the moment and the players run, what, about 10 to 11k, albeit quite a bit of sprinting. Surely they shouldn't be tired for the next game and need a rest. Yes, bring on fresh legs as subs, but why would anyone need rotating? Yes, I think Keith. this is in response to me constantly saying how tired everyone looks and uh, how they're getting bogged down. And and my response to that would be, I do accept the point that um, there are there are teams that are playing a lot more minutes than us. And their players perhaps aren't rotated as much. But I do think Angeball hits different. I think the requirements of the type of game we're playing are more physically and mentally taxing. And, and so we should be resting and rotating our players. We obviously have not been helped by the African Cup of Nations and Asian Games happening at the same time as well. And all of our suspensions leading up to that. So December was a particularly grueling period going into January. Um, but yeah, I do I do take a point. I'm, I'm sure Bardi would like to... Uh, co-sign that bunch of cowards yeah buddy you're you're host of the <laughs> run push pull podcast how long does someone need to recover from a 90 minute uh, no, no, it's not even a hit workout they should be running more you've got people people in the extra inch run club are doing 100 kilometer weeks and then spurs are just doing 10 kilometers every now and then and in bits they complained when um Conte used to make them run two kilometers before the game and then they fall apart. I would expect Spurs to be a little bit more lively and a little bit more light on their feet. I don't think our counter-pressing is there. I don't think our kind of recovery pace is there. I do think Spurs at the moment are looking really leggy and I, I don't get it for, fair enough for some players, fair enough, but for others, no, I don't think so. There is something not quite right there with, with Spurs. I think that that is, um, with the information we have, a pretty reasonable way to feel. But I also think, look at all of the muscle injuries we've had. But this is what I mean. There is something wrong at the heart. Oh, I see. We, like, there's something fundamentally wrong. Yeah. A mistraining issue. It's like every team has got injuries. Like Klopp's team fell apart in the yeah. weekend, but that was because Norgard was taking chunks out of people. We haven't had, we haven't had that really. It's been people pulling up with injuries or strains and stuff like that. And yeah. we're not playing the amount of games that Liverpool, Villa, everybody else are playing Chelsea. Chelsea, Maybe not Chelsea, bad example. But um, I think we should be a little bit fitter. We should be a little bit fresher. It's a non-European season, which is something that we're all very excited about at the start of it. And I'm, I'm not seeing us reap the rewards of it yet. 
I couldn't help but chuckle about your uh, recovery time comment, Nathan, because I played football on Wednesday, having yep. recently turned 40, and my, my app told me I needed 67 hours of recovery time. I and mean, I felt very old. Was it? A gar- that's what Garmin does, though. I think it's just gar- being generous. It's a Garmin. That's what Garmin's tell you. They always say you need to be recovering. It's, Hua- okay. it's Huawei. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much to everyone else who sent questions. We've got questions from uh, Cal, the aggregator. <laughs> Cal's question is, why are we shite? <laughs> <laughs> Cal was also the person. It got a lot of, it got a lot of uh, reactions. Cal, after two glasses of wine in December, told me... <laughs> there's, there's no need to worry about like that, buddy. Come on, man. He, he aggregates for us. You've got to give him a bit of a pass. Nathan, I think you should bleep out what Cal said after the yeah, two glasses of wine. Yeah. Uh, so also Joshua Almeida, James Sullivan, Paul Edwin, Chris Wally, Paul Maslin, Keith Starr, Josh Emden, Ivan Victor, T- Teddy Oliver, Toby McCarthy, Ben P and Joel Hooten. Thank you so much, everyone who submitted questions. We don't have a game next week, so we can't be too miserable. So it'll be a bit more cheerful, hopefully. Um, send, in, send in what you'd like to talk us. Send in what you'd like us to talk about next well, we week. We could get miserable. You know, uh, Pochettino could go and win a trophy at Chelsea. That would really cheer us all up, wouldn't it? <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you end us end this pod like that? You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Subs. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 